You're listening to Force-Fed Digital. BXU Heard. So it was the year 2000, I walked into the bodega, the bodega next door to my building, 27, 2676 Morris in Kingsbridge. And that bodega, one of the older heads from the block shares the news, he comes up to me, he's like, yo, yo, you heard Kres got body. And I'm looking at him with like some surprise, I'm just hoping that there was like some mix up with the name or something, I wasn't understanding what, what was before me. He goes, yo, nah, they killed Kres. This was on New Year. This was on Christmas Day, and so he had got shot in the back of the head inside his car on Christmas uh, Day with the gifts of his kids inside the car. And so it's crazy to hear that it was on the newspapers, on the news. And this was my boy. This was a friend that when I tell these stories on Kingsbridge about like when we was going up and down, and a few of us where we'd get jackets from like other people, whatever. We have friendships from a very young age. This is the trajectory of some people in the hood that you start off like boosting. You start off, you know, nickel and diamond, having little hustles. You steal infamil from stores and sell them to other stores. And you start climbing up that, you know, you go up those, you go up that ladder from different type of crimes. And before you know it, you get so deep that you lose your life. But it's been already 24 years since my friend has passed away. I had the the luxury of knowing him before he got involved and in the mix with what he got into. And it pains me every time this time of the year comes. So I want to dedicate a portion of my episode as a tribute to him because I now have this platform. And as much as I share these gritty things about uh, this one individual and, and, and our history, he was a, a very cool person as well and had an awesome character to him that I like to spend some time talking about. I've had the liberty of having videos even. I have a YouTube, I have clips, I have clips on TikTok with him roasting other people and other people roasting him and him being in his natural element. These videos I've used to even show his kids who are now adults with their own kids. Images of their own father like, yo, this is how he was in his environment because I was at a time recording and capturing these moments. So with Krez, I met him because he was rapping and I was rapping at the time and we knew a mutual DJ. And so I had spit a verse on this compilation album so that he, I think he freestyled his. And I realized real quick that he be saying some off the wall type stuff. And from there, I struck a friendship with him. And then he took me to a side of town I wasn't too familiar with up by university on Kingsbridge. So with time, I started expanding from block to block and knowing people. Morris and Kingsbridge is pretty much my block and central because it was a block that had crack spots. A lot of people came there for all the hype that it was and to make money. So I got a chance not only to just know everybody on my block in the hood, but also the people who came to make you know some money. Usually somebody introduced them to the block. Krez knew people on our block, but he knew a lot of people off the block. So then now I'm meeting him in a different element. It's not just rap. I realized at this point he used to strong arm a lot of people and he was into stealing jackets. 
And then I met the rest of the crew that was into that too. And so this is shout outs to UNO squad, because that's what time it was a university in Kingsbridge. So they would be on that side, Webb Avenue, Aqueduct Avenue, 192190. And, um, and I'd spend some more time there with him and some other of our friends. And with time, it was another party after party. Usually what it was is that when the weekend came, we'd all meet up in some building. It's cold weather season, leather jackets. Here's the type of jackets, guest jackets, Averex jackets, Vanson jackets, North Face jackets, spider jackets. And in this time, on this side of town with Krez and other folks, we go from house party to house party. And in between those, we either be catching jooks. Jooks is pretty much when you're strong arming somebody, you're stealing from somebody. But with them and this group, it'll just be up and down the bridge in different areas from party to party, either taking a Mexican for their money. Mexicans are known for having cash on them. At least we understood that. Uh, we catch somebody slipping in a chicken spot or some store walking with their chain. So it was always a yapping of the chain. Um, or just jackets, a tremendous amount of jackets, just ch chasing people down for their jackets because at the time there was a whole economy on certain um, certain articles of clothing. And so certain things stolen would fetch a certain amount of money in the hood. You always knew what the dollar amount was. And so this is the environment in the world I was now introduced to through this friend. However, many people from the area were shook of him. They were scared. They had this fear about him. Although, if you was his friend and very close to him, you wouldn't have seen that from him because in the time you'd with him, you're with him on a personal level, you know that he was just extremely funny. He likes to cut ass, but he'd never try to like boss around. He always makes sure he knew if he was hungry or not and you know what the next move was. But even in tough situations, it'd just be something real funny. That was what it was to know him personally, but to be known and in the street with him would be a whole other experience. Because now to hang out with him, it'd be a lot of people wanting his attention so that he could be seen, you know, people, I, I experienced a lot of that. I'd be with him in different areas and friends of mine who knew he, who he was would want to say what's up to me in a certain way just so that they can get a free pass whenever he's around. Because he was, you know, you don't want to have a good jacket and they get chased down. I've had that situation too where I lent the jacket to somebody and he got chased down by him wearing my jacket. And so, you know, this was something that, you know, a lot of people knew who he was and the other folks that I was now running with. And this became such a hobby that I was with them weekend after weekend. We go to whole other areas in the blocks. We go to Skate Key, do the same thing. Skate Key was another spot that when we all linked up, we linked up with these other two crews as well. And we all got together. Now we're an even bigger force. So chilling with this little squad on Kingsbridge was just enough that everybody got a jacket. Between us, we just passed jackets around like it was crazy. And um, and I said this before, but at times there'd be so many jackets in my possession that for months I wouldn't know whose jacket belonged to who. I know which of those were like solidly mine. I wouldn't know whose everybody's was. And as all the jokes would occur throughout each of the weekends, it was a routine from Friday to Sunday involving even the pawn shops on Fordham, selling um, broken jewelry from all the yapping and and us just meeting in the morning spreading the money around and it was just that environment but that's how I met him and and that's kind of like where it, it evolved to and from there it was really also Crest danced and so I was a I, I used I was a b-boy so I used to break dance I used to take it to the floor and so we'd go to parties and you know I was known as being one of the dudes that 
when everybody threw down or to show off or to represent like the squad, I'll jump there and dance. Now his form of dancing was we called it boogie. So it's kind of like it's a kind of like a wavy version of like when people are popping and locking whatever, but very animated. And he used to do that. So he used to hit the top, boom, inside the inside the skate keys and, and the parties that we was at. I hit the floor and we used to dance a lot. So we had that in common as well. In fact, one time, I think the most embarrassed I've ever been. Um, I remember we didn't have, and this is the thing with him. He was so like nonchalant, a funny side of him, like because he danced and he knew a lot of people. He talked this into a talent show in Kennedy one time. And I'm seeing him in the hallway <laughs> and he's he's telling me like, yo, these are my peoples. They're a dance, they're a dance group. <laughs> so I'm like, bet. So he introduced me. He tells him, yeah, he dances too. So every they're like shed, spreading love to us. Like, yo, just come and dance. We're going to do, like, it pretty much was a bunch of people who's going to freestyle. But because they were like the champions of last year, they were going to like close out the show. <laughs> so I remember he still convinced me like, yo, just come on and dance with me. And I was like, bet. So then we was in the hallway on the side, like everybody who has their like, whatever the talent was on one side, we was on the other side trying to make a routine last minute. Mind you, I got one way of dancing. He got his own way of dancing. And this is like five minutes before. And may I add, neither of us was into weed or none of that. This is just a, from, this is night and day. This has to be ADHD because from one and he had to have it too. And I wish he was alive. I could, I'll ask him at this point, like, yo, bro, you've ever been? Because like, it just makes sense that he was. And I didn't know that I had it before, but everything makes sense about my past that I had ADHD. Because we're trying to make a routine inside the hallway of the school. And so now it's time to his showtime. And they call us up as special guests. These are people I just met. It's like 30 of us on stage. Everybody's doing their own thing. It don't look like a performance. It looks like like a reckless, like a party. It don't even, like, there was no unity in it. Now, the little thing that my boy and I rehearsed with each other went to shit from, like, move one. And then, but he's nonchalant, so he's laughing about it. I was so embarrassed after that, like, one, like when it was over, over. <laughs> People were just throwing in whatever dances. It was just, he laughed about it in the hallway when he saw me again, and I could not face anybody. I was so embarrassed. And so angry. I went out of the school through the back. I didn't want nobody to recognize me. Like, what's that was the most show wise, performance wise, that was the most embarrassing of. I wish somebody had that recorded just to see him really. For me, it's cringe, but I know, you know, I, I got my lick back in this world. So I don't got really that problem. Anyway, that's another area in which I knew Krez in our, in our innocence, right? Because it's easy to criminalize people in general. There's good people, bad people. I understand that. People make bad decisions. But each person who, you know, minus like a sociopath or something like that, so many people have colorful paths. And to know him and to know his story and who he was to people who loved him, this is what it was. We take trips to Nathan's um, and and just have some time, fun times at the arcade, just joking on each other, then take that long bus all the way back, that Beeline bus from Bedford all the way up. Um catch the movies, or be in somebody's crib, just watching movies, just all in the innocence or whatever. But we rapped. Um, I saw him through his phase of the stick-up kids and stuff. He went off to do other things as well, which is what ultimately led to his demise and stuff. But, you know, between the dancing, there's, there's even, like, hood dramas that became semi-legendary like as, as well. A lot of us from the hood, we'd post something about, like, the Black Thorn. There's this this club and, uh, and the urban legend story, which... I, out of respect to a lot of people, can't get 
into a lot of details, but a lot of places we had the upper hand because we was like strong arming and robbing and we used to go like mobbing through the bridge and other places and stuff, go to house parties and, and, and catch Vicks or whatever. But, you know, there was this time that we were outnumbered and I remember I was on the block of Morris minding my boy. This is one of those days I should have just mind my business. But somebody told me that one of my mans had got hit with like a bottle and got split open in the head. So I'm like, bet, like, you know, I'm hearing that they're trying to go back to the club. And mind you, I wasn't a part of the initial thing that happened because a few of them was all chilling at the club, enjoying a good time. So I get in the cab and I pay, I pay for two cabs, the one I'm in and the one the other four people was in. There's a few people, including one dude that just got home, like within that day or a couple of days. But I know that week he had just got home, but it was all love between everybody. And we were like, let's go up there and, you know, and handle whatever, because, you know, this is a dude from our block that we got respect for or whatever. So we make it up that way, right? And this is including Krez. I get to the front of the, the place and a few of the dudes I'm with is like, you know, yelling in to the little bar called the Black Thorn yelling a certain amount of things to them, whatever, to get their attention, whatever. All gang-related type, you know, you know how people just start throwing the lingo and stuff, right? So, whatever. So he's calling at them, and they come out. But now there's a lot of them spilling out. It was probably like eight of us posted up, but now there's like eight of them, and each of them is like in our faces, whatever. At some point, my man, boom, starts plugging one of them. Everybody in the, in the club's fighting. Outside is a brawl of people. In between cars, you see people, you know, passed out. Um, I'm seeing people hooking off, trying to get at my direction. Um, I get on the payphone and I call my brother because I was holding down two guns at that, at that time. So I was like, you know, I figured that if, you know, the way this is popping off, I might as well shoot back home and then come back with something or whatever. Cause again, people's passed out. It, it was crazy. So I think moments after that, now, when I say gang related, it's not that we was in the gang. We was more block dudes that we used to yell out little, you know, three-letter acronyms or whatever. Like, we, those type dudes. But, you know, on a different time, we wasn't an organized gang. But, you know, we we clicked together. We was clicks, hook clicks, you know, still, you know, still with our, our props and our name or whatever. So, anyway, um, so nonetheless, they was out there brawling the whole club. Now these Crip dudes come and somebody just started shooting in the air. So this is our, in the time that I call home, talk about get the guns that was there ready whatever, somebody's shooting, whatever, is mad hot. So I'm like, all right, bet. I jump in the cab with my man to go back home. And when I get there, I see my brother giving the guns back to the dudes who it belonged to. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what's the odds anyway? I felt that was a funny move or whatever. But I had blood all over my jacket and I was I was dressed dipped. I was dressed to go out. I think we was going to go out that night, whatever. I had a, um, a, red, I had a red body Vanson with white sleeves and I had the checkerboard by the zipper. It had like a race checker thing going down. And I had a Coogee sweatsuit with the Coogee um, on the sides, both legs and both arms had the, the, the knit design that blends into each other, that thing. And it said Coogee Australia in the front, whatever. So all to say, I'm dip. I'm not, you know, dressed for war or whatever, but I had blood all over my joint, whatever. My man Krez went missing. The next day, we had, like, cars looking for him up that way by Mashula, Gun Hill 205th and all that. Everybody checking into hospitals looking for him. But he showed up. It, it turned out he had got split. He got cut in his lip on the top. And um, that day was a crazy legendary day because funny, the funny start, uh, part about 
that is that after all that, we regrouped in the capital, which I hear the capital is supposed to be going out of business or something like that, or their lease might not be renewed, which is crazy because for Kingsbridge, that's like a milestone. I wish we could make that landmark status, but there's so much history for the capital. Anyway, this historical night, this urban legend of the night, the Black Thorn, ends off with us in the capital. Uh, I think one or two tables. We may have one table with five of us squeezed in with our war scars, blood on us, ordering breakfast, and a table over from us. There's this guy that comes up to us. He's like, guys, what y'all doing, man? Like, you know who I am. And he was real, like, popping off like he's somebody. And we was looking at him hard, like, yo, who's this dude? And we was all looking at each other and looking at him. And he's there, like, I might be the most important Puerto Rican you ever meet. And he's boasting himself up, and he's with this other dude that passes his card over. And we're reading, and it says, Jimmy's on the card. So then he says, yeah, I'm Jimmy. He was the owner of Jimmy, Jimmy's Cafe, super popping, restauranty, clubby, you know, all that stuff. But he's at the table with us, like pretty much showing off about that. He's the most important per like Porter. That's how we took it at the time. And we had so much wheels pressed trying to figure out where my man was, you know, all, all that just popped off. It was, a, it was a crazy night. And here we go. Got this dude showing off and telling us, yo, I might be the most important Puerto Rican you ever meet. You know, I'm surprised you don't know my name. Then the other dude's like, you know, maybe you, if you guys want, he passed the card to us, talking about like, come for a job type thing. Off of what? I don't know. We were just there. I don't know if they heard anything we was talking about. It was crazy. But the dude that was with Jimmy is Opera Steve. And he used to do things with T.S. Terror Squad, singing on, on, on Big Pun's album or whatever. After that, I kind of put two and two together and figured out who he was. And with time, you know, I, I this is probably like 98. 98 or something like that, 1998, I believe. But nonetheless, that was the funny part of the story and how that ended up. And he offered to pay the dinner, the, the breakfast, and we refused it off that energy. Each of us, young, we teenagers, all of us. And we took that and we felt like it was just like a certain type of energy we couldn't rock with. And we knew enough to say like that was whack. It felt super whack. And that kind of became like the, the energy I had about him, unfortunately. And that's without taking anything away from him. You know, he does his thing business-wise or whatever. I can't speak on him in his lane, but, like, that was my experience with him. And um, I, I never went in to get a job, but, yeah, it was just a little sour. He offered to pay the bill, and we threw his money back to him. Like, nah, we don't need your money, man. We're going to pay it ourselves. But that was uh, that was that story with um the Black Thorn and Krez. And so Krez went from being that type of person in, in these type of war stories and also having a soft side and being very oriented with making sure everybody was good. Um, you know, he was very, very playful and, and full of energy. So I always think about him each and every year. It's really crazy how like these kind of things happen because more often when you see these things, these are straight setups that happen from people who know people and know each other. And unfortunately, what I could say about him and with like a lot of people, a lot of times people are so powerful or they're regarded as being so strong that people do or go through a lot to try to take you down and take you off. And that's a testament to the power that you have because people wouldn't have dared say certain things in his face or deal with them with certain things. And ultimately, he met his demise because I believe he did something with, with someone that involved the robbery. And anytime money's involved, you know what I mean? You got, you got bitch-ass people that can't be out whatever their yield is. Or whatever. So long story short, you know, you make a move like that, you got a big score and people want to eat off of you, people are going to eat off of you. So he couldn't see his kids for Christmas because of that. 
Because it's that important for you to lay somebody down because you want to take from him. It's crazy, but that was my man. I wasn't around him much like that because with those things, I wasn't involved at that time with him or anything. But when I heard the news, it's like my boy that danced with me, my boy that joke. I got 10 minutes of clips of him on YouTube that has been the reason why I was able to connect with his child as an adult and, and, and speak with the family and talk about him because I captured a side of him that wasn't that, that grim side that people saw. And a lot of us who knew him was comfortable with him and knew that he was like that. But, you know, you got to be mindful of, of the world that you play. Every day you get a chance to, to turn on that controller and play the lane that you, you know, you want to play. So, you know, he played his and that comes with the territory. So right or wrong, whatever, that was the lane he played. And, and there's consequences with that, you know, right or wrong. My experiences with him as an individual was what they was. And I take this moment. To say rest in peace, Krez, a lot of us miss you. A lot of us wish you was here. You'd bring a lot of joy, a lot of laughter to us. But you was taken from us way too soon than to change your life and be a story. So here's a tribute to you, my bro, as I toast you. Anyway, my people, thank you for that. That's like an outlet. And speaking of outlets, I would like to take the rest of this episode to talk about goals for 2024, right? And shit that I'm letting go of. Because there's a mixture of things that I will be doing in 2024, and there's a mixture of things that I will not be doing in 2024. Therapy being one of them. As much as this show, any outlet you got could be therapeutic, it don't take the place of therapy. Because whatever hobby you got that keeps you like of sound mind is not an expert that can dive into your life and your situations and tell it back to you so you could kind of have some plan together for this world. Because this world is getting crazy, guys. And um, even if it wasn't getting crazy, we all got a lot of processing to go through. But being the fact that there's so much going on in this world, I suggest and I always encourage that you get your mental health together. So on the list of things I'm leaving behind definitely is not going to be mental health because mental health has been something that's been with me for such a long time. And I give credit to it because if not, your boy Richard would have lost his noggin a long time ago. I believe I got PTSD to a degree. I have not been a person enrolled in the military. I've had my traumatic experiences and it may very well be that I got a form of PTSD, not taken away from nobody who's diagnosed with PTSD, but I do have certain traumas that I've had a chance to process and to heal from through trauma. So trauma is going to make that list. Let me go in order because I really want to make sure I cover everything. So segment two of the episode, we're going to be getting into leaving behind in 2023, the things I'm done with. So I'm going to go straight to it. I've been throwing shots at Facebook for a minute, and I think I'm ready to call it quits. Not with the account, but what I'm leaving away in 2023 is I'm not going to be posting my IG pics automatically to Facebook. I'm sorry, Facebook. If you're a Facebook family or friend member and you're listening to this, you may be left behind. Nothing personal. It's just that that's the vibe over there. And I'm going to unswitch this. By the time that you guys hear this, the switch may have already happened. So if you're a Facebook fan, friend, whatever you want to call it, family, you've been warned. No more sharing. Another thing, no more buying Uggs. Guys, I did another viral video. 6.1 million views at the moment. A main reason why I fumbled the Christmas bag, but whatever. Anyway, well, 
a number one reason why I got a Christmas bag <laughs> had been that video. 6.1 million views. I got a chance to monetize heavy on that video. That was dope. And what I did was one morning I heard a lady on her account and I couldn't get back to that account because I heard it and that was enough. I went off my mind and I started doing my own research. What I found was Uggs in USA started in 1978. There was already Uggs as a boot way before that company. What they did was in Australia, they took the designs and there's other UGG companies, but I used the example of UGG 1974. I did that because when you look at both of their logos, they're strikingly similar. And when I looked into the history, I realized that all that the UGG, the United States version of UGGs, the UGGs in the stores that we see here in America, all that that company did was get a trademark in the US so that the other companies cannot sell here. And so what I highlighted in my video was that the materials used in the Uggs that we know are not genuine sheepskin. They're not quality premium material as you may think you're paying because of the price tag of these boots. So I go on to show, to highlight in this video, and that's what caused all this stuff. But the way I said it, I kind of like, I said it in a way to get a lot of like attention to the video and for people to, to talk their talk. And I was kind of referring to it as fake, non-genuine. So anyway, I did that and that came off and I learned me something new too. And so going forward, you know, and yeah, I've even had people say men shouldn't wear Uggs. They're comfortable as hell. And if you got to get into the car real quick and make it somewhere, it don't make you no less of a man. And if you got to do something around the house, it don't make you less of a man because you're wearing Uggs. I got me about the Tasmans too, bro. Like anyway, I got me two pairs of Uggs. I done paid for Uggs as gifts for the for the family. So I get your frustration. I've been there too. I lost some money with the Uggs. But going forward, if I was to buy a pair of Uggs, it will have to be from an Australian company, Uggs 1974. And that's my decision. That's what it's going to be. So leaving in 2023 was any possibility of purchasing Uggs going forward. Buying Starbucks. Why is that? Why is it that Starbucks, is it the money? No, it's never been the money. So what's changed? I only have to say this because I've realized that the majority of people outside of the TikTok world get news late and most of them rely on commercial television as their outlets. And so I feel a little strange saying what I think is the obvious, but here's the obvious. Starbucks has been boycotted and I've joined the boycott. And so when you see post of watermelons, these are an effort to show people that we are calling for a ceasefire and we are in support of the lives of the Palestinians who are being oppressed, who are being bombarded, bombed, and a host of atrocities taking place in that region. And so Starbucks being, you know, just on top of the coffee game and bringing money in, into the billions, they also fund the op pretty much. So all to say, a lot of people have been promoting across TikTok and other platforms to just spend your money elsewhere. And so I flew on that wave and I decided to myself, you know what? I'm going to entirely just leave it behind because I could do without spending so much money on a cup of coffee with the people who have a history of doing that. So even if they change their stance or whatever like that, I think I'm done with them. I think the fact that like we get a chance to just make this decision, even if it's political, is fair game. Even if you like... Like, forgive and forget, and that principle, like, this is a business. I can care less. 
if you stood on the wrong side of history and now you're exposed or whatever and now we're seeing you for being a company that puts your money behind a certain ideal that's against what my ideals are, then I could feel completely fine just cutting it off without anybody trying to shame me over my decision say, oh, but you just go because, yeah, it is, for much less. I can make the same decision because I went in and your receptacle was dirty and give my business to somebody else and, and, and promote them and say how much I can't stand you. I could do it off of the amount of money your, 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 your beverages are and your food. But I do it with a cause and that's the cause and a lot of us are on that trend right now. But I think I'm going to do it indefinitely. I think I'm going to go off with that. So leaving behind in 2023, buying Starbucks, boom. Another thing, arguing with trolls online. I've had so many trolls on TikTok. Like the trolls I have on IG and Facebook, at least, they're your family and friends that watch your your stories, but they don't like it. Those are the family trolls. They present differently. A family troll and a friend troll, they just don't support you, but they watch and you see them in your stories. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the ones that you post something and they try to have like a smart Alec opinion. And when you go ahead and you like respond to them, you get violated community guidelines because you went at them. And this is not a platform of getting your lick back kind of thing. And then that hits you. I'm not trying to lose my bag on the, on the social media because I said something wrong to people. Not many times I've been an account warning. Now, I think I got too much to lose at this point. There's a lot of other TikTokers and influencers that they have to make backup pages after they have so much progress. And I feel like I've put so much work that the easier thing for me to do and control is myself. And it's the same thing that you do in any situation. You can only control yourself. So what I realize is that if I respond to a troll, if I go ahead and go to your page and pull 15 pictures of you and make a funny clapback video, which I can and I have done, and that's what's got me in trouble. Because your boy is clever too. Don't play with me like when I'm upset. But it's never gained me anything except negative. I don't want to be a person that loses the, his account's standing and has to make a backup account and start all over again. So I'm not. Instead, I'm in control of myself and I'm no longer going to feed into the trolls. And what I do when the trolls say something at me, I always say the same thing. Oh, thank you so much for your support. I truly mean it. I, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your opinion. Thank you so much. I put the emojis, capital letter and all that. So I'm definitely leaving the trolls behind. And remember, like, you may not be, look, I'm not a big influencer type of person, whatever, but that might not be it for you. But the troll in your life could be that relative that takes the time to stop at every post of yours to correct you, to just, you know, take it out. the Like, come on, you understood what the hell I was saying for you to go ahead and pick every word apart of what I say. You know, the, you know, the spirit of my post, you know how I get down. You know what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we got people who just like they like to just flag on the play all the time. You make one little move, one post. Those are your trolls in your life. So you don't have to be no influencer, no figure or anything on your account that will constitute that you have a troll. That's also a troll. They just look a little different. But yeah, that's out the window as well. I am not dealing with arguing with trolls online. What else we got on my list? Not acting my age, thinking I'm young. That goes back to my hand injury. I flew over the handlebars. I was in doing the bike. I felt the urge to get the right one out as if the other ones wasn't high enough. I ate shit, flipped over the handlebars, swollen hand at the Bronx ride, still made it to the Tour of the Bronx, and through the Tour of the Bronx, finish line, back to the beer hall for some drinks, and your boy went home all fucked up. 
So, um, but I got through that, but I'm leaving that behind because that was dumb of me. And so every time I think I got like a, a kiddish urge inside of me, I'm going to just chill out. I'm leaving that behind because as of today, I, I still can't even ball a fist and my daughter kicked my hand and it's worse now anyway. So it hasn't fully healed. I've been talking about this for like two months already. This is wild. I'm leaving that behind. I'm acting my age. That's crazy. Here's another thing. Fear. All along, the reason why I didn't start any of this sooner is because I was scared. I have fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of it not being ready and right, not being the good time. And I overcame that. There's a lot of things that when you look closer, you realize that it is fear. You might not think that it's fear. And it might continue in your life because you don't recognize it as fear. And so now when I think I feel fearful, I trick myself into saying I'm just excited. And then I go ahead and tackle it because the procrastination, the procrastination I get usually comes in the form of like a butterfly feeling at the task. And I tell myself, no, no, no. I try to give it an even number like uh, 12 o'clock. That's all procrastination. At the root of my procrastination is fear. And so now I'm looking at it like it's out to get me. So I have to stand up and handle it. I have to take those letters and organize them. I have to do the work. And these are things I was much better at before. But when you go through circumstances in life and you know you have to be responsible, those things are obstacle and it's not easy. Guys, remember, we're all human beings. We're all trying to survive. I'm just taking a little minute talking about the things I'm leaving behind and recognizing fear as being that. So if you procrastinate, you have this ten tendency of putting things to the side, think to yourself it might be a form of fear, fear of the unknown. So let's make some goals and let's make some, let's take this fear and let's, let's deal with it. Let's call it out. Let's see where it's coming from, why it's there, what we can do with that energy, what place that energy has. How can we counter that? So in this new year, I'm looking forward to things changing. Fear is definitely going to be something left behind. Here's one. If you ain't noticed yet by my post, if you ain't noticed yet by what time I'm on, I'm leaving religion behind and I'm for sure with it now. I've, um, I've probably in character shown that I've left religion behind, but I got to make what leaving religion behind is clearly. I have to make this a clear thing. I've believed in the past that the people who I shared religious affiliations with, I believed at the time that we weren't in religion, we were just in relationship with Christ. I now realize that I was in religion and I no longer identify myself as a person in religion. I also understand that by doing, by doing so, I'm probably not recognized by these same people who I used to call saved as a person saved. I may appear more sinner than saint as I was before, and I'm okay with that. I may appear now as a person going to hell for this decision, and I'm okay with that. And I outright say that because it takes a person knowing and understanding who I am and where I am at to pass any form of judgment. Don't just take an episode for it. So I'm leaving religion behind because thus far, my experiences, my observations, the observations I've had of others as well, my journey has just brought me to this conclusion. My journey factors in a lot of research and my experiences and my conversations and the things that make me curious about religion, about spirituality. And at this mo moment, at this point, I've realized I'm so much less like what I identified as before, as of recent, as being Christian, that I wouldn't even call myself that anymore. So I don't. To be Christian, to me, is to be religious. If you identify as Christian, I am not knocking you. What I am saying is that, to me, Christianity is religion. 
I have no place for religion in my life, and it's behind me, and it's in 2023. I mean, it's it's probably months shy of the end of 2023. As I'm saying this to you, I've done less. I've done left it. It's gone. And I know some people. This is just to be real with it and talk to you real. I know a lot of people that I knew very well might be shocked at that. They might expect me to not make this kind of decision. Or they might care less or whatever. There's a lot of people that fit in a lot of categories. But I knew enough people in that world that at some point I figured I have to say something. I don't have to really say it directly to anybody. This is my lane. This is what I talk about. I've been using this platform to share my life and my journey. Authentically, that's where I'm at. And I'm not doing nobody no favors by keeping parts of my observations to myself. I'm here to tell my story in its fullness. And um, if not, I'd be telling a false version of the story. How much of a terrible experience I've had with religion, you'll see with, you'll see with time. But for that reason and many other reasons, I leave religion behind. And if you're curious to know, follow me, tune in and subscribe. And you hear a lot more about these circumstances that I've been in, my observations, my perspective, and some of the things even theologically that I've brought myself to. It's a combination of a lot of things, but this is my acknowledgement. So I'm leaving that behind in 2023 religion. You gone. All right. High expectations. I've been master level at setting low expectations on people as of recent. Here's another realization, and this is people-wise. You get upset when somebody doesn't meet your expectations of them. When somebody and you have your expectation of somebody set and they miss that mark, that's why you get upset. You thought otherwise. You expected better of them. You expected that they were going to do something for you that, that you were expecting, right? And so at this point, because I realize that the only person I can't control is myself, I keep the bar low on people, so I'm not surprised. And if someone gives me any more than I've set, then that's just a plus. That's just a bonus. And I've been like that because I've had such high expectations with people that the letdown had been hard. And it's been so hard that it would have been better for me to just not expect anything of these people and to keep people in a place where it's like realistic, I would say. And it's to show you that sometimes we could be pretty naive with our relationships, the way that we see certain people, the way we expect of them, or we treat people thinking that they're just like us with the way we would do certain things. And then we're let down. And then that leads to bitterness sometimes if you don't check it and a host of things. But to start, I'm keeping my expectations on people low. And not that I have them for my kids low or my wife low or the people who are supposed to be priority in my life, because you got to also make priority people too. Not everybody has the same access. A lot of the biggest mistakes I've had in the past had been giving people way too close access and then realizing at some point it's harder to kick them back out or to set your barrier up and your boundary. And so expectations and that bar is going to be low and that's just how it's going to be for me so that living for other people kind of goes to hand in hand with that the high expectations and living for people when you really take into account sometimes a lot of the things that we do is really so people could be like to really understand that this is what time i'm on or this is what i'm doing right now this is what i'm up to and i can catch myself sometimes like feeling like i gotta make a statement about something and i check myself when i realize that people don't deserve it if I'm hype about something, I throw things up there. I put pictures of myself. But you got to really think what your intentions are. Because sometimes people do it because they're frustrated and they feel like their family has to know this accomplishment so they can ease up off of them and know that they are taking things serious or whatever to prove something, to prove a point. You know, sometimes people with the wrong spirit post things up. And 
I have to make sure that I'm intentional about all that. So whatever I'm going to post up or share about myself at this point is different. There's like I share things now and I realize that there's so many other days where things have happened, exciting things has happened, crazy, wild things have happened that don't even make it to the gram. That's been more like the new me and I've been pretty much practicing that the last few months as well. Before I used to throw almost everything up there. And now I keep a few to myself. I think about what I'm sharing at what time. I might even share it late. And I got to catch myself too, because sometimes I could get wrapped up in that as well. And I try my best not to. I might want to send something so that the family could see that I'm okay. If I'm doing it with that intention, then I'm not leaving them for myself because I'm doing it for others. So one of the other things I suggest to you guys and what I'm trying to do, living for other people out next last year. And finally on my list, hiding weed from my kids. Hiding, yes. For for those who have known me forever, yeah, I, I, I partake now. First time I smoked weed, I turned to a chicken hat. I was by Kennedy High School with a couple of my friends. They sparked me up. And without going into too many details now, I was probably like 17. Because the last times before that, I took puffs. I didn't really inhale like Clinton. So I don't count those. So I'm about 17. I'm at Kennedy High School with a couple of my friends. They pass me, a, they, they pass me the blunt. I take a few pulls. I get paranoid. I think people around me want to fight me, and I'm like looking over my shoulder. I'm high like forever. Or everything was so bad that I knew for a fact I didn't want to smoke. Plus, there wasn't much appeal in it anyway because my whole family smoked, so it wasn't that interesting. Like everybody used to be hype about it. I used to drink at that age. I was drinking at like 15. So at that age, I just took the blunt because it was like, all right, cool. And many people have passed to me before, and I wouldn't reject. That wasn't my thing. Drinking was my thing from young. I was alright with that. So people was like, they'll just pass it to me kind of like, you know, when you got a sandwich, you got to offer, even though, you know, everybody is full, they got food, you do it kind of like as a courtesy. That's who I was around. Like I'll be in the cypher chilling and joking and stuff, but it'll just skip me. But here I go, an adult hiding weed from my kids because I got, I don't know, like it wasn't like these kids are teenagers, just like both of them are teenagers, but they're in a different time than I was now because it's legal. Plus, we had them, we we raised them in church, like holy, holy, holy family. Now we smoke weed and we done demonized weed when we was in church. But now I partake and I wanna they done found nug we we're running out of people to blame. How many scapegoat relatives we got? We got mass scapegoat relatives, like these kids. Look, this is my final straw. I really don't like looking stupid. And the other day I was cooking something in the oven. I put the oven mitt in the same hat I had the spatula. And I was reaching for the hot part with my bare hand, which is the bad hand I just told y'all about. And I did all this in front of my daughter, the younger one. And she's like, Dad, you're stupid or something? Look at your hand. She said it in those words. And before I could correct her, which I didn't get to because I looked at my hand and she was right. I'm like, I was high. Yes, obviously. But not to her. She just thinks I'm stupid. So I have to share. Today's the day. I'm going to tell them that I smoke. So... It's all fun and games, but what I say is this. I have such a relationship with my kids. They may just think I'm dumb for doing that. But I'm at a point now with their age that I'm confident enough that not only can I share with them that I do that, but I can share why I do it, the important aspects of cannabis. I could talk to them about the criminalization of cannabis, the over-criminalization. I can explain the state level. I can explain... The federal level, I'm pretty much a connoisseur at this point. But I'm glad about that because I got into it as an adult. 
I got into it responsibly. I got into it the right way. And I got a chance to learn about our systems physically, right? How how our body processes cannabis, the effects of cannabis on the, on the growing mind and kids. And from that place, I'm prepared to share with my kids, this is what I do and why. And to explain to them without the stigma and everything that's associated or that society gives it or to the naysayers and, and, and what they say about it or what they learn in school, I'm going to give them my narrative because I really didn't like it at first. And then I did have it, but I also know that it's really not intended for people who are younger than 21 because the chemistry of your brain. But with all those factors and everything that I've researched, which of course, whatever you're into, you should research the effect on kids if you're a parent, whatever you're into, even religion, the effect, the impact on your family. See what researchers say about it. It's just something that I do. But what I'm leaving behind again is me hiding this from my kids because they just think I'm dumb. At least now they could just know that I'm high and that's going to be all right. But that's definitely one. And now moving into New Year's resolutions, and I love to end on this note because this is like goal-oriented. I don't know if you're into vision boards. I was going to do one, but then I got high, which kind of ties into, you know, now I'm going to be open in my highness and maybe I'll be more productive and responsible because I'm not hiding into like my little bat cave area and spraying all these sprays to try to mask the fact that I'm coming up with red eyes anyway. I can't keep on saying I'm crying about things like... I got to <laughs> running out of excuses, whatever. But here you go with the New Year's resolutions. If you're a vision board type of person, if you like to manifest or whatever you like to do, I don't care if you think it's cliche or not. I always and I will always take the first of the year to celebrate the time for change, to set some things in place. I will always use that as a time because it's always a time that people kind of have a different energy anyway. Since people are already doing it, it's easy for me to be in that spirit. And so there's nothing really mystical about the day, but even more so that you have the first day, new beginnings from one year to the next. To me, even if it's just figuratively, it's a good opportunity to take the first, the first of the month, the first of the week, the first of your day, right? The first is so significant in the Bible as being the, 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 the tenth, your first tenth, the tithe, right? Take that same principle spiritually, the tenth of your time in the morning to reflect, to meditate, to stretch, take care of your body, your temple, right? The first tenth of your day to do your most important stuff, right? How's that for New Year's resolution? I'm gonna be so intentional with my time that I'm gonna take certain chunks of my time, of my money, of my energy, and I'm gonna intentionally set this aside or put this forward. So that's definitely something going along the lines of what I wanna do with the new year. Colonoscopy. I'm 44 years old, and I've been dodging this for three years for this reason. I need to go back because COVID messed me up. I started thinking about the colonoscopy because I have to around the time of COVID. But around the time of COVID, we were doing virtual meetings. Unless you was really sick, you wasn't going to the doctor. And this is why that was important for me. Going along with the colonoscopy conversation is a lot of handshakes because I have to vet a bunch of fingers Think about it. I have to shake some hands of some doctors so I can know the length of their fingers. That's important to me. You might say, oh, this person was pleasant in their demeanor. I'm shaking your hand to see how big or small your fingers are. That's my criteria. I said it. That's what I'm doing in the new year. So colonoscopy, now we're in person with the doctors. 
setting up our routines. Everybody's back outside doing their thing, yada, yada, yada. I have to have this conversation again. So I'll be interviewing and shaking hands and observing and maybe holding their hands a little tighter in my quest for getting my sessions going. And speaking of getting sessions going, I'll be linking back up with therapy because I fell off. Again, I said a little earlier, your fun things and the good things that you do are not no substitute. I'd encourage everybody to have uh, therapy and be on top of your mental health. For me, I've known to take advantage of mental health for plenty of years. And it's been some months that I've not been connected and I plan to reconnect. And this is just a transparent moment. You know, I think in me sharing that, if there's been somebody who's been a little worried about doing it themselves, that I can encourage you and suggest that you go ahead and get hooked up. And by the way, a lot of us have medical coverage that covers it and, and is underutilized. So go ahead and put it. All right. Spiritual connection. All right. Mind, body and soul. So get your stretches out. Right. Spend a tenth of your morning doing some push-ups or something or working your core out. Stretching is very good for you physically as well. And if you do yoga, you get in both at once. That's spirit, mind. I know the religious people. I told you I already left the religion behind. So if that was a trigger to y'all, I left y'all behind anyway. Yes, yoga. Yes, yoga. So get your minds right. That's what I plan to do in the New Year's as well. Your boy got a little chubby from Thanksgiving. Now everybody's, you know, I got people's making vegetarian patelas. And with that, I'm just loading up on the platano and the yuca. So your boy's a little swole. So in this new year, I'm going to run some laps and do a little extra. Take care of that. YouTube video. So aside from the health, I do got some goals for the podcast. I'm really excited because I have some friends in some good places that's offering to help me out with video capabilities. So with that's going to be a couple of documentaries. I've kind of teased the idea that I have some writers and, and all of that, but I got stuff in the works. But the video element and being able to capture some interviews and some dope resolution now is a possibility brought to you by some awesome individuals. So shout out to um, to Nova, my man, Steve Nova. Um, and so I got some good people on my side and we got some projects going. So the YouTube is also going to be connected. And so you're going to see my Bronx story with clips of videos from some of the documentaries and um, and some of the places and, and interviews that I'll be covering in the new year. So y'all have been rocking with me with the audio and I appreciate that. And I've loved it. But now we're going to step it up and also have videos. So I've been talking a little bit about it before, but I'm excited because this is my goal. And so I've, I've called it out. I put it out there and now I'm just going to make sure that it happens. So that's definitely one. And um, you catch me on the on the podcast and, and it'll still be audio on the platforms that you catch it. But you'll also see me on YouTube. So if all fails, just subscribe to me everywhere. If you go to my TikTok or any of my socials, each of the bios has a link tree that connects me everywhere. So be on the lookout for that. Another one I want to do is a spoken word. I've been doing a lot of writing. I want to at least hit the stage once at a spoken word. Guys, if you're listening to this and you're down to catch me at a spoken word, I'd need your support and energy. So if I find a spoken word venue, not if I could, but when I do so, you know, if you guys would be willing to come through and chill, we could cipher, and, um, you know, you guys will be in the audience with me and stuff. That'll be cool. And that'll be more of an incentive for me to make it happen because I would love the opportunity to be on the stage and maybe take some of the content that I use here in these stories, but wrap it up into a spoken word and put that kind of melody and speak in that way. So that's definitely like a, a bucket list, I want to say. 
but it's a goal for 2024. I wanted to do it in 2023. I didn't really call it out there like that. I I, got, I accomplished a lot of things, but that was one I wanted to do. So for sure, I'm putting it out there as a goal. So I definitely want to do the um a spoken word. I do want to plan a block party. I also said a little bit about that, but this block party would be on Tremont and um. I don't have the intersection at the moment, but Tremont Avenue, a block party is, is going to be off of a dead end and it's going to be an exciting opportunity for us to not only like get together, meet up, meet and greet, but to do the typical block party stuff. This thing has got to look, we're going to have bouncy houses out there too and a magician doing little tricks and stuff and entertaining so it's family friendly, but I want to also bring that vibe of like the, the 80s and the 90s block parties. So DJ outside, not just music playing, like a, a, a live DJ out there playing all the old school music, new school, double dutch, have a scalzy board on the floor, right? All the games that were typical of our upbringing, you know, so between the double dutch and the handball games, Chinese handball, aka slugs, and things that are really nostalgic. And so that's definitely one of the things I want to do. So that will be a summer plan. But as with everything, you got to start coordinating and planning it. If you're listening to this and this is something in the Bronx that you'd like to visit, please holler at me at any of the socials and let me know if you'd be down to come. That way I get kind of like a, a an idea with how many of the people I know who support me through the podcast who's going to be there. Because I would definitely want to highlight that you guys are there and acknowledge y'all. You guys are like a community. You guys are like a family for me because I get feedback and we engage with each other. I'm at that point that like I'm not famous, but I got enough love from a lot of people who hit me up and talk to me about the show or remember or involved in, in one way or another. So that's definitely something the block party. Holler at me if that's something you want to take part in. And then finally, I got news from a friend of mine named B-Boy Speedy, Speedy D of New York. And so New York City Breakers, legendary shit. Um, this is a very important year for hip hop. Because breakdancing will be making the Olympics. It'll be making the Olympics in Paris. Now, personally, I've been a fly on the wall. I've been a participant. I've been a buddy to friends who've been all over the world. And on the OGs who were at the beginning. I've been able to have such relationships with these people. That I've been for many years connected in, in such a way that I know so much about the culture from these people who created it in the Bronx. And so because of the love and because of of the attention I've given hip hop and the b-boy scene and the graffiti scene, I've gotten the opportunity to to engage in workshops to Speedy and to be able to go ahead and speak a bit on history as I continue to research and show people about what documentation should look like. How is it that you keep information from your time as like a time capsule? And I want to kind of start putting this together. And this is fresh as of this morning. You know, I, I, I got I got a chance to work on events. So for 2024, some breakdancing events, some b-boy events. I say breakdancing for the community out there who just recognizes as that, but that's like a curse word to us. But the b-boy scene, the break-in scene, and these events that's going to take place soon, um, and one being a hip-hop battle that's going to bring to you b-boy and other dances battling each other, DJ battles, everything is still being put together. We're actually going to brainstorm, but the opportunity here is that I'm able to engage with them, have workshops, teach, and be a part of this awesome resurgence of hip-hop. And so I'm really excited to be able to do that. 
and I'll be an official sponsor. So I'm excited that my Bronx story is 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 now moving into that space and was kind of pulled in. So again, shout outs to my man Speedy for doing that. The OG, I got so much love for him and um, and for everybody else who's always been somebody who's been supportive. And that's not only like the fans and the people who continue to listen to the podcast and to engage with me on social media, follow and connect with me, but also the loved ones who's, who's always checking in to make sure that they can bring something of value and to connect me to their efforts as well. Because a lot of people don't have to do the things that they do for you. So when they do it, I appreciate it. So my flowers to him and for anybody who's given me these opportunities, my flowers to you guys as we close this year and that we look forward to better things and new things. What I leave you with is that I'm super appreciative and I'm thankful for everybody who's taken a listen to this podcast. I have so much more to bless your ears with. I have so many more areas for us to talk about. And this is just the beginning. And I owe all of this to you guys because without y'all, I ain't got shit to talk about. I'll just be in an empty room. But because y'all, I'm not. Thank you. That was my time. Peace and blessings to y'all. See y'all next time.